We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today is Wednesday, May the 11th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, I break down what happened last night at Founders Park as South kind of drops their midweek contest to USC Upstate by a final score of 9-6. to six. Guys, I'll give my full takeaways from the ball game. We'll also name the TSUS midweek MVP, and I'll talk about what's next for South kind of baseball as well. Also, guys, news and notes to get into, and we've got a fantastic conversation with my guy, Jake Crane of Crane and Company, as we talk South kind of football, everything from the 2021 football season, Shane Beamer, the pickup of Spencer Rattler. We look ahead to the 2022 season. We also touch on NIL and the ever-changing landscape of college football, guys. All that much more. A fantastic conversation on a packed Wednesday show. And, of course, as always, guys, it's brought to you by the Spurs Up Show store. TSUS.store, the best Gamecocks merchandise on the internet. For all of your South Carolina merchandise needs, be sure to check us out. And again, we've got all of your favorite collections ranging from Beamer Ball, Beamer Rattler 22, Clem Sucks, Yard Cox Baseball, you name it. We got it, guys. Again, everything that you need from T-shirts, tank tops, long sleeves, hoodies, pullovers, koozies, flag stickers, you name it. We got it again, guys. That's over at TSUS.store. TSUS.store, the best Gamecocks merchandise on the internet. Let's get it. tell you that it's just a game that in the grand scheme of things it really doesn't matter but when you have a team such as the one that we have on the diamond for yours truly I could argue that this team is bad for my business life my professional life 
my personal life. Hell, you could argue this team is bad for my love life. But either way, we sit here on a Wednesday in the midweek. We sit here on this hump day, and we press on, and we fight, and we're resilient. And I don't know if that makes me loyal or insane or a little bit of both. But either way, we are here. We are here licking our wounds yet again. And if nothing else, because you ask yourself, where's the entertainment value when you have a team this bad? Chris, how can you do it? What do you have to discuss? I guess when I hit that record button, my goal and objective at this point is that maybe there's somebody out there who feels similarly to how I feel. And if you don't, maybe I can provide you a laugh or two as you listen to me rant. Heck, maybe there's those out there who feel bad for me. Or maybe we can all wallow in self-pity and misery together because misery certainly loves company. Either way, we're in it together. And we're all Gamecocks. Folks, happy Wednesday, happy hump day. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show. As always, we got a packed show for you. A lot to get to get into. Very excited to be chatting with you here on this Wednesday. Of course, we're diving into everything that happened last night at Founders Park. Before we do, though, a couple of quick reminders and an announcement, by the way. Uh, of course, it's Wednesday. We are live at 10 Roof tonight from 6 to 8, our normal time the first normal show we've had at Tin Roof in God knows how long, because, of course, guys, last week we were at Tin Roof from 5 to 7 before the baseball game. So back to our normal schedule tonight, 6 to 8. If you cannot be there, we will be streaming it live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. You already know the drill, but would love to have you guys come out and ask your questions. Tin Roof of the Vista, of course, $3 drafts. $3 fireball, $3 rumple shots as well. Great food, great people, great times. I told the guys there last week, I feel like I should be the one doing like the tin roof commercial because I've got that little jingle I just read you all or that little jingle. I don't even have it written down, by the way. It's just off the dome, but I've got that jingle down pat. So I need to talk to Corey and Talon and those guys and see if I can't uh, I can't become like the spokesperson or something or put the commercial together for tin roof. But either way, we are out there tonight, six to eight. Very excited. Always love doing those shows and things are a lot of fun on a Wednesday night at 10 Roof. Would love to have you guys out there. Also, one quick update. You guys have heard me talk about the Big Cock Club a lot. And, you know, I've been looking for different ways to push more value and produce more content. And I want to give a shout out to my guys over at Gamecock Bourbon Society. Of course, we had them on the podcast a couple of weeks ago before the spring game. And my dude, GC, who actually used to contribute for us, used to write articles for the Spurs Up show, and he has inspired me to add a certain piece of content to our Big Cock Club offering, right? Because if you're in the Big Cock Club, you are invested in the business. I mean, you literally are invested in the growth and the future of the business. And so I want to give back in a way that gives people, you know, an inside look or some insight as to what's going on on the business side of things. So starting this week, I'm not exactly sure what day, 
Um, it might be something that drops every single weekend. I'm not exactly sure the date quite yet. It might be something that drops every Wednesday. I don't know. You guys will know when it happens. But I will be dropping a newsletter each and every single week, whether that's video, whether that's written, whatever it might be. But it is going to be a sort of state of the union or just an overall business update to let you guys know what is going on with TSUS and outside of TSUS as well behind the scenes because I've given you guys some hints in regards to expansion things that we're doing outside of TSUS on my end that I'm very excited about so again if you want to join the Big Cock Club today, patreon.com slash Big Cock Club. Of course, you have all of your normal benefits from the private Discord to exclusive merch, 20% off all merch as well, all you know, early access to content. But also, we're going to be adding this newsletter, like I mentioned, it will drop weekly. Because again, those who are invested in the business and that really care about the growth of the business and everything we're doing, I want to keep you guys in the loop and keep you updated. And also just share the good news in regards to what is going on behind the scenes. So again, that is something that's starting effective this week. Um, it may drop as soon as today, but sometime over the next few days, you will be getting episode one or not episode one, but the first version of the newsletter. And again, I want to shout out my guy GC because they've been doing that with Gamecock Bourbon Society and I've been seeing it. Seeing it and I'm like, you know what? That really has inspired me. So I appreciate GC, those dudes over at Gamecock Bourbon Society. If you like bourbon, you like Gamecocks, be sure to shoot them a follow on social media. Again, I really appreciate those guys. But again, look out for that newsletter within the Big Cock Club. And you want to see that? Join the Big Cock Club today over at patreon.com slash big cock club and also you can click the link in bio on our social medias and the link will be there for you all right let's talk south kind of baseball and what happened last night at the Gamecocks fall to USC upstate by a final score of nine to six and as I'm sure you all saw on social media yesterday I locked in my prediction and I picked South Carolina to beat USC Upstate by a final score of 9-3. to three. And I will be totally transparent, guys, and totally honest with you. I did not do a lot of research before I made that pick. Because, of course, we're only doing the podcast three days per week. And on yesterday's Daily Crow, we did our Road to Glory series. I was in a football mode. I was so ready to talk football, to think about football. And so I did not do my due diligence and do my research on this USC Upstate ball club the way I should. I will admit that. But I locked in a prediction. Say, you know what? Midweek game, South kind of swung it well over the weekend. You know, Upstate, a team that the record's impressive, but South kind of should be able to have success. However, I went to the game last night, and as I walked in Founders Park, literally as I walked in and I was walking around the stadium, I had this, this eerie feeling, just for whatever reason, this feeling of this feels like a ball game that we are more than capable of losing. This feels like a ball game that you know what, it would not shock me at all if we found a way to lose. My exact quote, my exact tweet was this. As much as I hate to say it, this feels like a midweek game we could definitely lose. Hope I'm wrong. Let's have a night. 
And I don't know why that is. Maybe it was the fact that coming into last night's game, we were two and five against teams from the state of South Carolina. That might have a lot to do with it. But it just felt like, you know what, Noah Myers returned to Columbia. We're coming off a big SEC weekend, sort of a gut punch weekend, as Mark Kingston labeled it. I just had a weird feeling that what happened last night could happen. Unfortunately, like, I'm not even stunned at this point. Again, I, I wouldn't have that feeling I had going in the game if, if we were good, right? So I'm not, like, even stunned at this point, unfortunately. But I said this in the post-game reaction, and I want to reiterate this. Because at this point in the season, as you sit 24 and 23 now, it's like, what can you really take away? Because you know what? What I, I love the game of baseball, guys. Obviously, you all know I am a baseball guy, right? Baseball season is TSUS season, right? That's how we all feel. But there is something about baseball season that I hate. And it's this. In football, when you're not good, well, there's only 12 games. So it's like, it feels like you take a couple of shots to the chest and before you know it, it's over, right? You're dead. In baseball, when you're not good and you know you're not good, guys, you still got to play all 60 games. And it's almost like getting your freaking pinky toe cut off and bleeding out until you inevitably reach your death. Like, that's how this season has felt. And, and I really, really feel for Gamecock Nation, especially those who are still invested, because there's still a good number out there, especially when you look at social media that are still invested. So God bless those who are still tuned in. I mean, really, truly, y'all are the real MVPs. Like, if you're a Gamecock fan, that's still tuned into Carolina baseball at this point, you should receive some type of certificate. Like, you should receive, like, free tickets to opening weekend next year. I mean, I'm not even joking. I'm not, like, if you went to the ball game last night against USC Upstate, if you paid your hard-earned money to watch this team play USC Upstate, you should get free tickets to opening weekend next year. It's not even a question. Anyways. So it has been a slow and painful death. And I think 99.9% of Gamecock Nation is ready to move on from Mark Kingston, which I think is the right move. I think there's more than enough evidence at this point to argue that is what should happen. But even if you woke up this morning and you're trying to find reasons, you're still making excuses for Kingston. And if you want to ignore the statistics, the record, you, you want to ignore the rumblings of what former players have said, what former coaches have said, you want to ignore everything I've said, whatever. Okay. But last night was just another knock against Mark Kingston. And we have not talked about this really all season. But when you have a guy come in, come into your house that played for you last year, 
and is flourishing at his new school. Noah Myers came into last night's game hitting 312, and I totally get it. He's not facing SEC pitching. I'm not saying the kid would have been hitting 312 at South Carolina. But to add insult to injury, this guy goes four for five with two doubles, two ribbies, makes a fantastic catch in the outfield, and he's rocking his glove from Carolina while he's doing it. And then you look across all the other guys, the hitters specifically, that left after last season. Brandon Fields crushed it at Juco. David Mendham is a 280 hitter for an Oklahoma State team that's ranked in the top five. Brennan Malone is hitting like 330 and is having a hell of a year out at Oregon. Jeff Heinrich having an incredible season for Kansas State. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of guys that have left and are so much better off than they were last year. If it was one guy having a good season, maybe even two, I'd say, well, you know what? It just didn't work out here. But when everyone that has left, everyone that's left is better off because of it, right? It's like being in the dating world. You know, everybody runs into a rocky relationship here and there, right? I mean, it happens. It happens. No harm, no foul. Let bygones be bygones. But, dude, if you have five or six girlfriends in a row or, ladies, you have five or six boyfriends in a row and it's all toxic, negative relationships and they go on after you and, you know, they're, they're, they're living, ha- living happy, fulfilling lives with new people, it's you. At the end of the day, you got to have the self-awareness to know it's you. It is you at the end of the day. I mean, it's just another knock against Mark Kingston. And then you factor all that in with record and statistics and and, and overall record at Carolina over the entire tenure, all four of your seasons put together. You know, I I can't predict for sure. I don't know exactly what they're going to do at season's end. I don't have a crystal ball. I know there's a mess with the board of trustees. Who knows if Ray Tanner is willing to pull the plug? I don't know, but I know what should happen. Guys, I made this analogy on social media, and I, I think it's a perfect one. Mark Kingston is the hitters. What Will Muschamp was the quarterbacks. He's a pariah. He's he's a he's a he's a virus. He's he's a destroyer of said athletes. Heck, I heard this guys years ago when I asked a player that is currently on the team right now, and of course I won't name names, but it always confused me that a guy like Noah Campbell could not hit here. Like I I just didn't get it. Noah Campbell was not a very good hitter at South Carolina. Look at the numbers. They just weren't great. But he would go in the Cape Cod and he would tear it up. Would tear it up in the Cape. And I said, how does that make any sense? How can he be so much better against, I could argue, better competition with a wood bat in his hand than he is when he comes and plays at Carolina? 
And the kid told me, Chris, it's just hard to play for Kingston. And I ignored it then because this was back 2019. I ignored it then, thought nothing of it. But now I sit here and I'm like, man, that makes a lot of sense. And it honestly falls in line with everything else I've heard from former players, from parents. It makes sense. It really does. So, you know, again, I, I wish I could say I was surprised by what happened last night. At this point, it's just the countdown to the end of the season. Uh, the, the season's over. I mean, the season's flat out over. I'll be there all weekend long because, I, you know, even, even with the mentality of, God, I can't wait till it's over, you know, we'll be sitting there over the summer and say, hey, I, you know, I, I'd love to just be sitting at the yard watching a game. So I'll be there all weekend, but I, I'd put the postseason odds and hopes and dreams at like 0.01%. I mean, because you'd practically have to win out and probably make it to the championship game of the SEC tournament to even have a chance. And that shit ain't happening. It's just not happening. So, I, you know, I, I don't know, guys. I, I don't know. I mean, Upstate outplayed you in every facet. They outplayed you. I mean, really, the game shouldn't have been as close as it was. Upstate gifted you, flat out gifted you two runs, which the fact they gave Brant Belk a single on that drop pop-up is like the most absurd homer call I've, I've ever seen. Like, on no planet is that, a, is that a hit. No planet. But Upstate, nine runs, 11 hits, no errors. Again, should have been one. Gamecock, six runs, seven hits, should have been six hits, uh, and they had an error. I, you know, the, outside of that, that drop pop-up, you had a couple sack flies and a solo homer, and that's it. That's it. And, and, it's, and it's, just, it's just hard for me to understand. It's hard for me to understand. how you can be in a position where you know you have to win. You know you have to win. Like your backs are as against the wall as they can get when it comes to like your postseason hopes are on life support. And that is putting it kindly. And you drop a game to USC Upstate? You drop a game to USC Upstate? <sighs> and what makes it even worse with that loss last night, guys, you finished two and six. Two and six. Against teams from the state of South Carolina. Two and six. I, I mean... You know, I, I, I said it earlier in the season that losing to the Citadel and PC in the same year should probably cost you your job. <laughs> well, losing to the Citadel and PC and USC Upstate? I mean, the bag should be packed. I mean, it, you know, it's time. It's time. Guys, we're going to hand out the TSUS midweek MVP. 
as we do each and every single week after a midweek game. But this is going to be a, 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 a historic TSUS midweek MVP because I am giving the midweek MVP for the first time ever to someone that is not on South Gunners baseball team. I'm not even giving the midweek MVP to someone who's a Gamecock. Because you know what? I'm happy for the kid. I really am. I am. I am happy for this kid for making Mark Kingston like a fucking dumbass. I really am. A huge fuck you to Mark Kingston. And that's why he is the winner of the TSUS midweek MVP. It's going to Noah Myers. Former Gamecock, currently with USC Upstate, but I'm giving it to Noah, four for five, two doubles, two ribbies. Kid deserves it. Kid deserves it. You know what? To come into your old school's house and to do what he did and play with the swag he did, and he just took care of his business. You know in inside it was a huge game for him, but to take care of your business the way you did, you know what? I tip my cap to you. I, I tip my cap. That takes a lot of nuts. I, I, that takes a certain type of dude, certain type of resolve. I tipped my cap, and I and I was happy to see it, to be honest with you. So, again, the TSUS Midweek MVP, congratulations, Noah Myers. It's going to be fun putting that graphic together and having the USC Upstate green on a Gamecock graphic, and folks will be confused. But you know what? Kid earned it. Kid earned it, deserves it. There ain't a single Gamecock that I'm going to give it to that, that I feel like is deserving. So, you know what, Noah Myers, I, I, I'm happy for him. I'm giving it to him. Uh, what's next for South Carolina baseball? Gamecocks take on Kentucky this weekend. Going to be interesting to see when they play the games because the Friday forecast looks terrible. Uh, might be doubleheader Saturday, a game Sunday. Might be one game Saturday, doubleheader Sunday. Who knows? Just stay tuned, but I will be in the building. But, uh, you know, last weekend to catch the Yardcocks at home, I mean, I think that's the big draw. I, folks, I, I, I think it's over. I, 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 I would not expect anything. We'll, we'll talk about the series on the Friday show, but – you know, again, I think most folks that are saying, you know what, we got seven to go. Let's get it over with and, and let's move into summer and go on vacation and start talking football. So that's unfortunately the spot we've been put in. Um, again, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts, your thoughts on the game last night. The Gamecocks fall to upstate nine to six. Uh, really quickly, before we get into our interview news and notes, Michael Bratton, our good friend SEC Mike at that SEC podcast, he made a bold pick for week three. He's got the Gamecocks beating Georgia. In week three, what do you guys think? I, I think that is a little bold. I still question, can we match up on the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively? And again, that's something we'll get into way later in the summer. But uh, yeah, CC Mike, we posted the graphic and, you know, he's got South kind of losing to Arkansas, losing to Arkansas, but beating the Georgia Bulldogs. And could it happen? Certainly it could. I mean, certainly it could. What a story it'd be, though. And I think for something like that to happen, you're going to have to have sort of that Spencer Rattler game where he shows you, you know, why he was so highly touted and why he's thought of as a first-round draft pick. So, Michael Bratton, our guy, again, picking the Gamecocks to beat Georgia. We'll see if he changes his tune as we get close to the season. But either way, a very huge pickup or huge pick. And it feels – listen, it feels good to have some hype. Feels good to have some hype. Feels good to have some momentum. Could be worse, Right. Uh, guys, we got a great conversation, great interview for you. My guy, friend of the show, Jake Crane of Crane & Company, joined me again to talk Carolina football. Really, really fun stuff. Stay tuned for that. And it's brought to you by our friends, our latest partner, our latest sponsor, and the best real estate agent, the best real estate team in the local Columbia area. Of course, guys, I'm talking Marissa Kennedy, realtor and founding member of the Patrick O'Connor team with Colwell Banker. And, guys, the proof 
is in the numbers. This team has helped over 250 families last year. They work with both buyers and sellers in Columbia and the surrounding areas. They do premium advertising to sell your home faster with high quality pictures and video. And last year they sold homes for on average 5.4% more than the competition. Now, right now, guys, we're in a seller's market, but Marissa's able to get buyers under contract in new homes by being available to show homes as soon as you hit the market, collaborating with listing agents to write offers and meet the needs and wants of the sellers, and keeping up clear communication throughout the entire process to ensure that you make it to the closing table without a hitch. Guys, give Marissa a call today, 803-406-1800. That's 803-406-1800. Also go like her Facebook page, at Marissa Kennedy Realtor. That's at Marissa Kennedy Realtor on Facebook. Again, guys, if you're in the market and you're looking for the best real estate agent, best real estate team in the local Columbia area, look no further than Marissa Kennedy, realtor and founding member of the Patrick O'Connor team with Colwell Banker. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Again, guys, it's going to do all for me. Appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much again for your love and support. Have a fantastic rest of your Wednesday. Hope to see you out tonight at Tin Roof. And if you're not there, be sure to tune in live via our stream. But in the meantime, guys, enjoy this conversation with Jake Crane of Crane and Company. All right, guys, joining us today on the Spurs Up show. Very excited. Once again, a friend of the podcast. And if you have not been paying attention to what Jake Crane has been doing, folks, you need to do so. They have been kicking ass. It's Jake Crane of Crane & Company, formerly the J-Boy Show. You've seen this guy working with Colin Cowherd, now part of the Daily Wire Network, which, again, I'm going to let him get into the growth <laughs> and evolution of his show. But, Jake, man, it is a pleasure to chat with you once again. And like I said, hey, congratulations on all of your success because I know this, you know, last year we talked during the summer. This was before really anything popped off. And you sort of mm -hmm. let me know, by the way. I'll never forget when you called <laughs> me, and I was on the lake last summer. And you let me know, hey, man, shit's about to pop off. You weren't lying, my guy. You've been kicking uh, ass. Congratulations <laughs> to you. Uh, well, Chris, number one, I appreciate it, brother. Uh, obviously, you know, loving what you got going. Very, very blessed, very fortunate. Um, you know, it's it's been a lot of hard work, uh, you know, being in Atlanta, you know, just kind of taking a shot on it after, you know, the, the COVID quarantine and all that. Uh, but, yeah, man, uh, was with Cowherd, and they got reached out to by Shapiro and them at the Daily Wire. And. We're up here in Nashville and, and, you know, doing the national sports, which, you know, I miss, uh, miss talking just straight SEC, you know, it's, uh, uh, really interesting, but now I'm loving it, man. It's been, uh, it's been a phenomenal, uh, start, uh, we're at Crane and Company, C-R-A-I-N, uh, and company and yeah, man, live on YouTube two to three every day, but shoot, man, I see you do, you're out here doing your thing too. It's, you know, you're good at something when your school's teams aren't doing good yet. You're doing good. That's how, that's how you know. Yeah, we, uh, I, I joke with people, Jake, you know, it's funny when you're, you're in my position and you're running a business around the Gamecocks, obviously. It's like the best thing that can happen to my business is completely out of my control, and that is the Gamecocks winning. So, uh, hopefully, yeah. there, there is more of that to come, obviously, on the baseball side. But I want to get you on, obviously, to talk football. You're an SEC mm -hmm. football guy, and we had you on last summer to preview and break down the 2021 season, which, of course, was Shane Beamer's first season. Now we sit here in May. Spring ball has concluded. We're going into the dog days of summer, or just the days of summer, if you will, going into summer workouts. And, and the countdown is really on. I think we sit right now, Jake, uh, about a week and a half away from the 100-day mark to college football, at least to South Carolina mm -hmm. football. And we'll begin our countdown and going through, before you know it, SEC media days will be here. And then it's fall camp. And then before you know it, it's kickoff. So, again, appreciate you taking the time. Let's start with, though, that 2021 football season, because, again, you're a guy, you had Shane Beamer on the show. You're very mm -hmm. high on Shane, I know. And the Gamecocks, 
it was a very roller coaster up and down type of season. But South Carolina, at the end of the day, when the dust settled, found themselves in a bowl game against UNC, mm. taking down the Tar Heels seven and six. Again, to get to six and six, I thought, with what he was facing with that roster in year one. And then you look at the quarterback position and just the carousel there with Luke Doty, Zeb Nolan, Jason Brown, and then Dak Joyner in the bowl game. Your overall thoughts on Shane Beer in year one and, again, him exceeding expectations, at least in the national landscape. Yeah, you know, again, uh, being in the business and, and realizing, you know, when, when you're a guy like Shane Beamer that goes and inherits what he inherited and, and taking over what he took over, that first season, you know, I almost didn't even put a win number on it. I think me and you talked about this last year before the season. I, I wanted to see how they played. I wanted to see what, what type of identity they had. How clean were they? Uh, you know, did you have a bunch of procedure penalties? Was it, was it unorganized on the sideline? Were guys playing hard regardless of the score? And I saw all of those things. And, you know, they overachieved, in my opinion, obviously going seven and six, having that, uh, you know, the, the big wins down the stretch. But I saw, I saw an identity. And identity and, and culture, or you know, people conflate the two. They have a lot of similarities, similarities, but they're a little bit different. You know, you, you start with an identity and it builds your culture. And that's what I saw from South Carolina. And you were doing it with a roster that's not nearly equipped hmm. with the wheels on the cars that you're going to have now with Shane going forward. I mean, you've seen what he's been able to do in the transfer portal, obviously, which has made, uh, you know, the ability to flip a program. You can do it quicker. It's not easy. It's still going to take time, especially when you're sitting in a place where South Carolina is right now. But I saw an identity, and Shane knows how to recruit there. He knows how to win there. Those guys got a taste of winning. And all you need at a place like South Carolina is a spark to light a fire. And when I look at Shane and, and what he means, he's he's kind of in the in-between. I, I kind of, you know, he's kind of caught in between the, the stranger things and uh, reality and, ups, and the upside down, whatever you want to call it, because he's in the middle of flipping that switch, and it's happened a little bit faster, I think, than a lot of people thought it would. Now, does that mean they're going to go win nine, ten games this year? Probably unlikely. But I think what you're going to see with, with South Carolina is they're going to become more and more competent as the season goes on because they are young in a lot of places, and those guys still have to grow together. But do not be surprised at all if South Carolina beats two, maybe even three teams that they shouldn't beat, especially if they get them at home, just because they believe now. Not that South Carolina fans stopped believing, but you could tell the stagnation in that program. They stopped really believing that they had a chance. Not that they wouldn't play hard, but when it comes winning time, you got to make winning plays. And I think that swag, you know, it's funny. I was watching old clips of Sidney Rice make ball and catches and, and ball and plays. And I'm like, man, you know, I remember when South Carolina, from a football standpoint, like it was swaggy to go to South Carolina. Like it came with a swag bag with it. I think Shane embraced that when Spurrier was there because people don't realize Spurrier invented swag in the SEC. If you really think about it, go back and look who started bringing swag in first. It was Steve, and he brought that with him even though he was older to South Carolina. So, look, I don't put any limitations on Shane. I put limitations on the depth up front. That's what I think is going to cost Carolina in the end when it comes down to trying to win 9 or 10, though. Yeah, I definitely want to get into that with you, Jake, because I think that's something, you know, we love to talk about the playmakers on the outside and quarterback mm -hmm. and what have you, but it really does come down to the trenches. And, like, when you watch the national championship, I preach to everyone, like, watch Georgia and Alabama. I mean, it's a battle in the trenches. That's what it comes draft. down to. As Look much the as the game changes, it still comes down to if you can whip the man's ass in front of you and you can move him where you want him to go, 
you're going to win a lot of ball games. Now, you spoke on Jake, the transfer porter. Of course, the Gamecocks, I would argue, made the biggest splash picking up Spencer Rattler, and certainly the buzz and hype around that in Columbia has been at a fever pitch. But he wasn't the only one. Of course, his buddy Austin Stogner coming from, from Oklahoma as well. Uh, you talk about Terrell Dawkins, the transfer from NC State. Mm-hmm. You talk about Antoine Wells, the wide receiver from James Madison, who I could argue was the best receiver at the FCS le- level, a record setter. Uh, you know, Christian Beal Smith from Wake Forest, who led the Demon Deacons in rushing last year. You talk about Devonnie Reed, who should slide in and replace uh, Jalen Foster at the safety position, coming from Central Michigan. But, of course, the focus is on Spencer Rattler. And, Jake, hear me out. I, I, think, I think Shane Beamer realized after last year, you know what? If we're going to compete and we're going to get ahead of schedule, you know, while we may have these deficiencies here, there, what have you, if we have the guy under center, maybe we can win a few more. You know, maybe we can win a couple, like you're saying, that we're not expected to. Because if you have that guy, you have a chance. And Spencer Rattler, by default, automatically is the highest-touted quarterback to ever step foot on mm-hmm. campus, at least in regards to recruiting rankings and all that. But from the national perspective, I'm curious to get your thoughts were you shocked? What were your thoughts when Spencer Rattler made it official? Because even I was like, I had to pinch myself. And, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, the Beamer to Oklahoma connection. But to see him mm-hmm. actually pick South Carolina and sign, your overall thoughts on that pickup? Well, it's it's huge from an optics standpoint because I don't think you get half the skill players you just named off if you don't get Spencer Rattler under center. These guys, Auburn's running into this problem right now to kind of bring it home for you. They don't have a guy under center that anybody believes in. It's hard for them to get big-time receivers to transfer there who are going to take a shot and say, all right, I'm going to leave this school to go to that school. If I'm going to leave my boys behind, I'm going to go to a place where I better make me some more money and I better have a guy that can get me the ball because you can be the greatest receiver of all time. But if you don't got a guy that can get you the ball, it doesn't matter. So I think they set a huge precedent in being able to get big time guys out of the portal around Spencer Rattler because they got the guy that can deliver the ball. Nationally, again, from an optic standpoint, it makes South Carolina look really, really relevant. It makes South Carolina look like, hey, these guys – we know Shane's doing a good job over there. They've, they've had a couple guys transferred. Well, now they're really sticking their hand in a big pot because a lot of people want Spencer. Now, from the, from the player you're getting in, in Spencer Radler, athletically, from an arm strength standpoint, he, he's got it all. Is he a great runner? No. Does he need to be a great runner? No. He needs to be a smart runner. We, there's a big difference in between those two. If you can have a great runner that's smart, that's how you end up getting a guy like, you know, Lamar Jackson, who can play Kyler Murray, guys that don't get squared up. The thing about Spencer is all between the ears to me. I think Spencer got humbled a little bit at Oklahoma because I don't know how much adversity he really faced in his life. Go back to the D1 documentary they did. He just kind of did what he wanted, said what he wanted. Uh, we, we all know the story of the guy that's the best player, the quarterback, and he went to Oklahoma, and it started going really good early. And then he hit some adversity. I think it'll be the best thing that would that could have ever happened to Spencer Radler is going through that adversity because it was going to hit at some point. You get yourself humbled a little bit. You sit over there on the sidelines a little bit, and you find out how much you really want to be the man. Then you get a call from Shane Beamer after you decide to leave. You believe in Shane. He believes in you. I guarantee you that Coach Beam and him sat down and had a conversation about this. You've been through it all, man. You've been through the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. And the lowest of the lows brought you to the SEC and the SEC East of South Carolina and a chance to be the guy, which he's going to be. So my biggest thing will be if Spencer starts out and they're struggling early and he gets through it, South Carolina is going to be a problem. If he hangs his head and says, oh, woe is me, 
he's not going to get you're not going to get anything out of him but i think coach beamer understands that probably better than anybody and it was a huge get now he's got to go make plays yeah I love the quote. I don't know if you saw it, Jake, but Marcus Satterfield, the Gamecocks OC, who was who was highly, highly criticized last year. But I did love the quote he had when they picked him up when Sat said that uh, he, he told Spencer Rattler, hey, everybody thinks I suck. Everybody thinks you suck. Let's go make it happen. You know what I mean? That's a lot. Chip exactly. on the shoulder, you know, why not? Us against the world. Well, well, the good part is if one of them does good, then the other one's going to do good. So, it's, <laughs> right. you know, again, right. you're getting, it's like it's like betting at Moneyline. It's one way or the other, bud. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, switching gears a little bit, Jake, because I want to talk the 2022 season, of course, and projection and expectations. But when you get in the conversation of Spencer Rattler, you start talking NIL. And, yeah. you know, certainly he's been a guy since he's got on campus. It feels like, I mean, heck, we've done an NIL deal with Spencer Rattler with the Beamer Rattler 22 merge, which has been fantastic. And it's been awesome from, from, you know, from my side of things to be able to give back to these student athletes and do cool mm-hmm. merchandise and put their names on stuff and stuff like that. But We've seen much, much bigger deals than what I'm doing, per se. You know, example, Jim Hudson giving Spencer Rattler a truck, and we're seeing it all across college football. And certainly I think it's it's coming to a head with, um, you know, the Pittsburgh wide receiver thing and different players being courted. I, I just want to get your overall take, Jake, because, again, I, I really respect your opinion. You're obviously a knowledgeable national analyst that. when it comes to all sports, but definitely college football and SEC football. Your overall thoughts on where we are right now with an I.O.? Because I think when I talked to you last, that had kind of just become a thing, and we didn't really know what was going on. And there hasn't been a lot of evolution since. Jake, it's still the wild, wild west, but I think we're Mm -hmm. probably going to run into some sort of of structure, some sort of rules, if you will, because things have just gotten so out of control. Your overall thoughts on NIL, and what do you think the future holds with it? Well, you know, Chris, I think we've got to be able to separate you know, you know, a few things when we're discussing this, because to me, number one, you open Pandora's box. You're, 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 it's going to be really tough to close that. There's only one way to close that. And that's going to be through federal law. Uh, Because if you let it back to the States and I'm a firm believer, you know me, I don't get political, but I I, I want less government. That's what I want. But if you kick it back to the States, these states aren't going to do anything. And you're about to have so many lawsuits from these athletes. When you try and put borders on this, the lawyers there, they've already got it written up. They're just, you know, you hear that the, the NCAA is going to say, all right, well, boosters aren't going to be able to do NIL. Well, again, I'm not an economist. I do a, I talk <laughs> sports for a living, but aren't the boosters, the ones paying for these NIL deals. The boosters are the ones that own the car dealerships. The boosters are the ones that own the restaurants. The boosters are the ones that have the money. So it's really the same thing. So unless a federal law comes down that puts a cap on it, yeah. if you say, okay, boosters, you can't do NIL. What does that mean? Like, what, what does, so who's going to do NIL? Like, so just the school does NIL? That's not a great idea because guess who gives the school money? The boosters. It's impossible <laughs> to separate the two. Yeah. The second thing is, to me, there's a big difference in NIL for kids coming out of high school and NIL for kids in the transfer portal. The way high school recruiting works, while there is rampant cheating, surprise, surprise, (laughs) even before NIL, even with NIL, it's a lot freer market because you're not taking somebody from somebody else's roster. It's a lot harder to sign with a school than get out of that letter of intent and then be able to sign with another school within the same time frame I'm coming out of high school. When you're doing an NIL deal after leaving a team like this Jordan Addison situation, and you are moving lateral or up, I've got a big problem with that. Hmm. I've got a big problem with that. Because if you're going down, that's one thing. 
nobody that's dominating at LSU is going to go play at Louisiana Lafayette because they got a better NIL deal, NIL deal from ULL. That's not happening. There has to be a cap, which there won't be because they can't do it now because they unleashed Pandora's box and they get sued if they do it now. There should be a cap on NIL if you're tra- in the transfer portal. So even Spencer Radler, you're going from Oklahoma to USC. That's a lateral move. You're not going down. If you're going to make that move, there has to be a cap on the NIL. Are you think you've seen tampering? You haven't even seen tampering. You don't understand tampering. And it'll only happen to the big The big boys will get the best out of it. The, and USC, make no mistake, they've got bankroll right up there with Bama and Texas and everybody. So you're not all of a sudden, you know, you're not going to see Southern Miss just start balling, you know, because of NIL. Right. It's only going to help the people at the top. So I don't know what they can do now. We've had the two most transformative things in college athletics since me and you have ever been alive, meeting at the same time in NIL and the transfer portal, yeah. and they've combined together like the mega tornadoes on the, the Day After Tomorrow movie with Jake Gyllenhaal and Randy Quaid. Like He's just trying to get out of New York by now before the, the hurricane of frozenness comes and gets everybody. We, we did this to ourselves because we didn't put guardrails on it, and when you do something like that, this is what happens. They're going to try and do something. But if they don't do it by by federal law, it's not going to work. Hmm. Yeah, I, like you said, Jake, I, I don't know how you go back. And I, and I wonder, Jake, do you think that those in charge, if they could go back in time, do you think that they would say, you know what, maybe NIL is not such a good idea. Maybe we'll just I th- we'll keep I, I operating think, the way that we, we've been doing it for so long. I think they would put they would have put heavy guidelines, yeah. heavy caps on it, and they, they, they'd restrict it. But the, but the thing is, again, who's going to enforce it? Yeah. The NCAA, but that all, and that also, Jake, to your point, that just to me shows the incompetence of the NCAA that you roll out something like that that's that's so massive and game changing, and you're like, there are just no rules. They basically well, who did, else they does two, that? I, Chris, like, they did two at the same damn yeah. time <laughs> with no plan. There's just no plan. with it's no like, plan. Well, that'd be like me. That'd be like me and my fiance saying, okay, all right. You're pregnant. You just had twins. Now we do, you just gave birth to them. Now we don't know what to do. Let's just yeah. let them out the hospital. Let's just hope <laughs> they figure it out. Yeah. They can't even walk, but let's just let them out of the hospital. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a mess for sure. But either way, it's a new Norman College football. And let, let's move Jake yeah. into because we could spend all day on NIL and the transfer portal and the madness that's going sure. on. The 2022 season for South Carolina. And you mentioned Jake, and I spent a lot of last preseason injecting perspective. And I'm someone certainly that this is the this is, Jake, the most excited I've been to talk preseason football content. Because, you know, we spend months breaking this thing down from yeah. SEC media days. I'll, I'll do opponent previews, position unit previews. We'll talk offense, defense, special teams. And, oh, by the way, we'll lock in predictions as well, all leading up to kickoff. This is the most excited that I've been to break down a season in quite some time. And, again, it's all credit to Shane Beamer and what that staff has done, building the roster and just generating the buzz and excitement. Certainly when you win your last football game of the season like you did in the bowl game, it's going to generate a lot of buzz and get people fired up. But this 2022 season, you've seen a lot of Vegas over-unders come out. Five and a half, six for South Carolina. And this is how the schedule goes. Georgia State at Arkansas, Georgia, Charlotte, SC State at Kentucky by week. A&M, Mizzou, at Bandy, at Florida, Tennessee, and then at Clemson. Realistic expectations for you in year two of Shane Beamer. Because, again, college football fans and patients are like oil and water. That just doesn't yeah. exist. And here's the thing, too, and I try to remind people, is that South Carolina exponentially improved this offseason. 
and so did everyone else. I mean, it doesn't yeah. stop. Everybody in the yeah. SEC is getting better. So when you look at what – I asked you this about year one. I'll ask you about year two, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later in the summer. But when you define success in year two, because what scares me, Jake, is talking to fans is that there's this notion – and, again, you've been in the game of football, so I'm sure you can understand how this doesn't apply. Fans think, well, we won X amount of games last year, so we mm-hmm. should win Y amount of games this year. Yeah. Like that just doesn't carry over. Personnel changes, schedules change, coaches mm-hmm. change, everything, especially now with the portal. I mean, rosters are changing every single day. But I do understand where fans look at the schedule and say, well, I mean, we went seven and six last year with a bowl win with no quarterback. Now we added Spencer Rattler. You're telling me we're not going to win more than seven games? I mean, we don't feel like we're getting the return on investment, but that very well could be the reality. You're just overall thoughts on year two of Beamer or just expectations. Yeah, well, well, you're right. Listen, you're always going to have that group of fans that thinks, all right, well, one good thing happened. <laughs> that means that something super awesome, amazing is happening next. I, I, I think, and, and again, I think you have that in every fan base, even fan bases that, you know, that they never win. Mm-hmm. My, my thing is, if I'm looking at it, if from a South Carolina fan standpoint, if you're a smart fan, I think you realize that anything, if you can get to eight, that'd be amazing this year. Uh, it, it, re- it really would. If you got to nine, that'd be incredible. Yeah. Shane is building something that lasts. Like you don't build a house of cards. It's not like you bring a lot of guys in for one year. This is, and coaches will tell you this. It's not like basketball. I can't find three guys in the transfer portal and change our, our whole season, you know, from start to finish. Like you've got to build the house from the foundation up. Like you can't build the, the, the beautiful stained glass window before you even put the walls in the first floor. Like it just doesn't work like that. That's what Shane's doing. Now you've upgraded the areas that, you know, optically we talk about how it looks nationally. It looks great. And, and, you know, people believe in South Carolina. It's great to have belief. I think it's a great credit to Shane that South Carolina fans have belief again. It's not just all, Oh, all woe is me, this, that, and the other. But I think the expectation should be at least as good as it was last year. And you're right. While the SEC does grow and get better and get better every year, there's some teams that take a step back. But if I'm South Carolina, I'm not as much worried about the Georges. I'm not as much worried about the Alabamas. How are we going to compete against Kentucky? We got to make sure we beat Missouri. Can we steal one against A&M? Stuff like that. Because, again, you've got to stack classes together. Like South Carolina wasn't at a point when Coach Beam got there where one class can change us, even with the transfer portal. One class gets in here, will change us for the next four or five years. What he has done, if you look and where he is doing it, it's surgical. It's very surgical what they're doing. That's the best compliment I can give a staff. That's why, you know, on, on our show, we do nothing but show Shane Beamer love because I can see what he's doing. It's surgical and pinpoint and precise what he's doing from the high school ranks, the type kid he's getting at the type position, and then in the transfer portal. So to me, again, there's no short-term solution to winning a championship. It's a long-term play. And Coach Beamer's put y'all in a position to even have belief this year. You know what it reminds me a lot of, Chris? You know what it reminds me a lot of? And I'm not saying they'll have this much success. It reminds me a lot when Bruce Pearl came to Auburn. Like, that. that's what it reminds me. Like, the first year, you overachieve and you're happy. And then all of a sudden, that first offseason, you're like, wait a minute. We're bringing in guys we shouldn't really get right now. Like, we're ahead of schedule. Then all of a sudden, you get two more good years, and then it pops off. Because, again, from a high school kid expectation, and those kids are in middle school right now, by the time Beam's in year four, year five, they should understand that you go to South Carolina to win. 
You only have that short window for them to understand it. So he knows he needs to strike hot now, but then you get gold later if that makes sense. So it's patience, 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 patience. I always say, what do SEC football fans and bad doctors have in common? They have no patience. It's the truth. <laughs> Not a dad joke, I know, I but it's the that. truth. I love that. That's so true. And to your point, again, we talked about it earlier, but when you're talking about chain beamer building and, you know, I, I'd love for somebody else to hammer it down because I know I sound like a broken record to uh, the folks that tune into my show, but the line of scrimmage. I mean, to me, when you look at the difference it's, between yep. 10, 11, 12, 13, South Carolina and right now, and you look at, again, you add Rattler, you had Christian Bill Smith, you had Lavoisier Carroll, you had Wells, you had all the Stogner, all these guys, especially on the offensive side, because that was the problem. But and you bring a lot of experience back, but it's experience from an offensive line that was one of the worst in the league. That'll be the question mark for me. That, that's yeah. that's well, the entire key to the season for South Carolina. Can they run the football, and can they stop the run? Because I, I know you probably know the name Jake Brad Lawing, who coached defensive mm-hmm. line at South Carolina, and he was at Florida, Florida State, all that good stuff. I've been fortunate enough to talk to Coach Lawing in person a couple of times, and we talked after the season. And I'd love your take on this because, again, you're a football guy. And we were talking about, I was like, you know, Coach Lawing, and you coach defensive line, the Gamecocks ranked top 10 in pass defense. Your thoughts? And he told me, he said, you never brag about pass defense as a defensive coach because all you're telling the opponent is you can't stop the run. That's all you're telling them. And he made that point. And when you looked at it, you're like, you know what? He's right. He's right. So for me, you know, when I look at South Carolina football, it's, it's simple. Just run the ball, stop the run. I think that's what the elites do best. Yeah, well, I used, to, I used to tell my DBs all the time. I'd, I'd look at the corner uh, that I was coaching, and, and regardless of what side I was on or whether it was boundary or field, and I'm like, hey, man, you had you had the most, you had the best uh, incompletion percentage with balls thrown at you. Be like, yeah, man, that's great. Be like, you know how many balls you had thrown at you? How many? 14. <laughs> well, there's a reason they're throwing at you 14 times. So you still got something to prove, obviously. But no, look, uh, again, you want to have balance, you know, offensively and defensively. South Carolina, you know, up front last year, and I know that they, they return guys. At least they know what to expect now, some of them. Uh, some of them are just limited. Like sometimes at the mm-hmm. end of the day in sports, you can know where to go. You can know where to be, but you can just be limited athletically and physically. I think that's still a little bit where South Carolina is at. That's why, again, every head coach worth his salt will tell you the most important hire he makes is the strength and conditioning coach because yeah. you're the one that has to bridge that gap not only with the high school kids, but the kids that are still developing in the system after year one and year two. And that's how you build depth going through the future. You're not worried about reaching down in the bag and taking out that redshirt sophomore. You got a backup right guard because, you know, physically he has the chance to do it because you can be as mentally equipped as any of them. If you can't do it physically, you're not going very far. For sure. Jake, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. I'm going to let you go because, again, we're planning on having you back on later in the summer and we'll really dive in the nitty-gritty of this South Carolina football season and everything it entails and the SEC side of things as well. Again, really excited to have you back on. Jake, before you go, just let everyone know again where they can find you on social media. Let folks know how they can tune in to Crane & Company, you and your crew, your boys, by the way. I've tuned in a couple times. Y'all do a fantastic job. and Y'all have a great great dynamic, and it's a blast to watch you all. So again, just let folks know where they can check y'all out. Yeah, well, uh, Chris, number one, it's always an honor to come on, brother. I appreciate you. And, yeah, if you watch our show, I, I'm the one that's always right. I'm the one that's in the middle. My, my brother and our six-foot-eight behemoth other co-hosts, they're always wrong. But, no, uh, we're live 2 to 3 Central every uh, weekday. We do a Saturday special. Just had one with Jason Whitlock last week. Uh, that was good. We think we're going to get Blaine to try out for the WNBA. We're still waiting to see if we can get that approved yet. He thinks he can average 18 and a half. Jason said 12 and a half. So, we, we've got to find out. But, yeah, man, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that stuff, uh, the Daily Wire. And uh, yeah, man, whenever you need me, you guys are killing it. 
Uh, I appreciate it. You got to listen, believe in coach beam. I'm telling you guys, you guys made the right hire. Trust in the process. Baseball, eh, softball, eh, basketball. I love Frank Martin, but it was time. We'll see how that hire goes. But Chris, I appreciate it, buddy. Jake, always a pleasure, man. We'll do it again soon. All right. See ya. Absolutely. He's Jake Crane. I'm Chris Stoltz. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show.